Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Three, two. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Today I have with me former NFL player Jamie Spencer and from the Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club, Charles Bishop. Hey, guys, how y'all doing today? How are you doing, Sonia? I'm doing Thanks. well. What about you, Jamian? I am doing good, Sonia. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Everything is good. Um, how's everybody, you know, with the COVID-19, everybody's family's doing well? Oh, absolutely. Everybody's staying safe, staying protected, and um, just trying to make our way through this. So far, so good. So far, so good. And, and uh, you know me, uh, Sonia, you're still doing the social distancing on the golf course. Can't, can't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you thought you was going to be on it this weekend, but you can't. So Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, I'll mention that as well, and you can talk about that later. Well, you guys have been on the show before, so I won't go into your accolades. Let's just get into it, shall we? Sure thing. So as you know, our nation is in a very dark and chaotic place due to the killing of another unarmed black man, George Floyd, who was murdered in the streets of Minnesota by another cop. Because of this, there has been protests and riots all over the country. The other day, I posted this message on my personal Facebook page, and it, it stated, here's a silent protest. Pull your sons out of D1 Power 5 school and send them to HBCUs. Well, this post garnered a lot of attention and a lot of dialogue. And I spoke to Charles regarding the topic as well as Jamie, and both, both of you, you gave great insight on both sides of the spectrum on this topic because, well, Charles, he went to an HBCU. And Jamie went to a PWI, and so the discussions for me were very eye-opening. So, Jamie, when I told you what I posted, the question you said to me was, will HBCUs be ready for the black yep. student athletes? Mm-hmm. Could you please elaborate on your question? Yeah, so, so when, you know, we, we've had this, this discussion, I mean, amongst multiple of my uh, friends, old teammates, and whatnot. I mean, and you know, we we are very conscious of of kind of who you are and what you are in inside of these certain systems. Um, you know, and you know, we have it, it, this isn't a new argument, right? This isn't a new discussion right. that we've had. So, you know, when we look at it and we say, you know, look, are are, are the HBCUs ready for for that type of 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 I guess responsibility when it comes to the new challenges that they're going to face inside of their current institutions because, you know, it's not like uh, we haven't known that black talent exists in these HBCUs. It's a matter of how well it's been cultivated and it's been put out there for the world to see and display, as well as the resistance that they've had uh, put up by a lot of the PWIs in the past in terms of getting on that bigger stage. So that that's why that becomes my initial question to uh, a lot of the HBCUs. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Got you. So I guess from, from that standpoint, 
my question always uh, becomes, well, what, what, what is that ray? Uh, when I <clears throat> talk to uh, student athletes and I talk to coaches, I think some of it is they just don't know. They didn't do that recruiting visit to a Prairie View or Alabama State and look at their, you know, facilities. Uh, or didn't see their weight room. And so they're kind of taken aback uh, because uh, everybody remembers, you know, the whole uh, national headlines that Gramlin made with uh, the, yeah. the mold and this thing. And, you know, and, it was, and it was a bad, bad look. But uh, looking at the current landscape of, of HBCU uh, facilities, you see that, that, that there are changes being made, there, that they are – uh, there, there's not going to be a water slide, of course, in, 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 in the facilities, but but you see that they are are stepping uh, stepping up the game, if you will, in terms of adding on to their facilities. Jackson State is doing a new weight room. Uh, Purdue's weight room is 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 uh, and 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 athletic facilities is phenomenal. Same with Alabama State. And you go around the conference and you see the upgrades that have been made. And I think what I found, at least is that a lot of coaches uh, at the high school level and a lot of athletes are, just don't know, and they're using a frame of reference uh, that they have not seen. So I'm always curious in terms of, of asking a question, what does ready look like? What, what is, I mean, what the, does the 225 uh, on, the, on the weight bench look different in Prairie View or Jackson State than it does at Clemson or Alabama? The facility is a difference, but the weights are the same. So I'm always curious, what does, what does, what does are they ready look like? Well, so, so what, what it looks like is that you, you have to realize is that all that glitters is not gold, right? It's not necessarily about what you can show me. It's about how much you sell and, and you believe in your own brand. You know, a lot of times when you talk to a lot of elite college or high school highly recruited athletes, it may not be a matter of they haven't seen it because they didn't want to see it. It's because they necessarily haven't been had awarded the opportunity to, okay? And I was even telling Sonia my own personal story. You know, I grew up 20 minutes from Gremlin, and I was a diehard Gremlin man, right? And I wanted to meet the legend Eddie Robinson. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it came down to it, it really became a matter of what they felt like they could get from me wasn't worth the time to put in for them. You know, so that's why I say, you know, and, you know, we, we, we look at this thing holistically. I went to the University of Notre Dame, okay? It didn't have the, the glitz and the glamour. It didn't have the, the, the top-notch facilities that you thought. I mean, I was really quite surprised when I got there as to what I was looking at and thinking to myself, this is the University of Notre Dame that has a storied program that I am walking into and being recruited by. But the one thing that you could not deny is people's passion and their belief in what I was buying into. And that it becomes the biggest difference in what you see in terms of what a lot of the HBCUs will put in versus what even a lot of these D1 schools will put in with or without that glitter, right? The glitter mm -hmm. makes it great. Don't get me wrong. But, again, you have to convince me as a 18-, 19-year-old young male who is 8-foot tall and bulletproof that mm -hmm. that is the best medicine for me. Yeah, and, and, and I can – Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Before, before mm -hmm. I want because I wanted Jamie when you were talking about the Gremlin situation and versus Notre Dame, you said they had passion 
and selling to you coming to Notre Dame, whereas mm-hmm. you mentioned to me, I forgot who you said it was, I think it was the assistant coach. You know, you didn't go into the story what actually happened when you were trying to meet um, Eddie Robinson uh, or, you know, go to the game or whatever. However, you mentioned that one of the coaches said, well, we didn't think you were really interested, and that's why they didn't really recruit you. Is that yeah, it? yeah, yeah. That that was that was his exact words. Is that you know he said, well, well, we felt like you know you were you were too big of an item for us to go and reach for. And I was like, wow, no, not really, because again, even and like I told Sonya, even if I said, look, I know I'm going elsewhere. Again, I knew then, even as an 18 year old, the exposure for my ability to go and visit would have done wonders for the recruiting pool, right? Because, again, that's the game that they play. But until, again, you have the people that are going to believe in their brand big enough to say, look, I'm going for number one through five, not necessarily 295 to 300, right? Because that effort needs to be the same on both ends. You never know what you're going to get until you try it. Well, and, and, and Jamie, I I can agree with you in in that regards because I I do – uh, believe that uh, coaches do have to believe in their brand. I mean, when I take a look at you of Notre Dame, you know, I think of Touchdown Jesus. I think of 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 all the lore that uh, that comes with Notre Dame. But on the flip side of that, you know, I'm I'm an HBCU fan. I I, I believe in Billy Nix at, at Prairie View and what he was able to do. Otis Taylor was one of the most phenomenal players to ever hit the NFL, came from Prairie View. You talk about Southern, Mel Blunt, of course, all the everything that came from Grambling, Jackson State, four Hall of Famers. It is incumbent upon those coaches to sell that brand. And as fans, you know, it, it is incumbent upon us to know our history and to know our, how powerful our brand is. I, I will put Jackson State's brand up against anybody because I can always sell. I have four Hall of Famers in the NFL. I mean, that is that is an astounding thing to really put forth uh, for people. And again, um, I, and I guess I take a look at it from uh, the standpoint. I, I I'm not so much uh, concerned with the five star guys and maybe the four star guys, but I can chip away at, at these quote unquote three three star guys because I, I think in a lot of times. You know, they might get the scholarship offer because somebody else passed up on, you know, that, that particular scholarship. So I, I, I believe in the brand of HBCU football. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm with you. And I believe in the brand as well, and I believe in the potential that it carries. But we still have to be very cognizant of – Again, where we stand today versus where we stood 20, 40 years ago in terms of what the struggle was. Because even when we talk about a lot of the Hall of Famers and the guys who were playing inside these programs, very few times did they even compete at that level. And if no one was looking, they would, they would go bypass. It's not like today where you've got so many different media outlets, so many different um, people that have invested time in the scouting that are going to find you no matter where you are, right? We have to get back and understand that until we start harvesting and using that potential to get into it, that's where that brand now has to be built from the group, from the ground roots up again, right? Because now we've got a whole different platform to work with versus having to be reliant on playing the biggest schools or, you know, taking our show to, you know, University of Alabama, whoever it is, 
because you know, like I know, back in the day, those teams would have probably beat the brakes off of any D1 school. Sure, but they never mm-hmm. got a chance to display it. Right, right. And, 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 I, and I do want to, I guess, ask this question uh, from this standpoint. How big a role do you think the, the, the high school coach is in terms of, of where they went and, and where they could potentially steer that three, four, five-star player to? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that high school coach plays a tremendous role in where that young man goes and spends his next four years, right, wrong, or indifferent, okay? Mm-hmm. Without parental engagement, that head coach now becomes the spokesman and really the conscience for that young man because, again, this is an 18-year-old who has not had a chance to see the world, who is not looking at the bigger picture. These are adults who do have that opportunity to say, yes, hey, I have seen this, I've done this, oh, and this is another way that I can do it over again. So they do become more of an influencer into that individual's life and their future in that decision than anyone else, right? Um, And that's where, too, sometimes it becomes a little, in my opinion, you become a little vulnerable to truly what happens when we talk about some of the, you know, behind the, the door, back door deals, the, the things that are done, you know, this coach gets to work this camp and, you know, all of a sudden now you get a lot of these um, uh, benefits exposed to you that you didn't necessarily know you had before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those become part of that decision matrix and they also become part of that glitter that attracts those those young men as well, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and again, if you don't have that relationship either with your coach or with an individual inside of your program, then you're really left up to a parent, your parents, uh, to be able to help guide you through that, that decision matrix. And, and, and to be honest with you, sometimes that's not always existing in our kids' home for the most part. Because a lot of our parents, they're out there busting their butt trying to make ends meet, right? So they don't always get a chance to to spend the time that they need in helping their kids or understand what this thing looks like all the way around in that you're making not only a decision for the next four years, but you're really making a decision for the next 40 years of your life. Can I jump in real quick? Let me, me, and speak it because you said, you know, you're talking about the parents. You know, and you mentioned that some parents, you know, they, they're trying to work, they're not really involved. Well, then you have the parents that are very, very involved, go to every game, you know, excited about their kids' future, which they should be, especially if, you know, they have a, a great chance at not only going to college but possibly going to the pros. So what about the parents that, I want to say, will kind of vicariously live through their kids they don't even really introduce them to going to an HBCU. I actually have, I know someone who went to an HBCU, graduated, her and her husband, but they did not allow their son to go on tours to visit an HBCU school, period. They had already, in their mind, he was not going, you know, they was, he was going to, you know, a, a Power 5 school. Mm-hmm. And do you think... Why, why was that, though? That's what I'm, I was about to ask. Do you think it's because okay. they want the validation? For the exposure of a, a a power five school, 
I mean, what that bothered me because I'm like, one thing our children really don't know the history behind HBCUs, why they were established. They was established because PWIs didn't want us to come to their schools. And then when they figured out that we could win championships for them and, and make million dollars off their back, then it was okay. You know, they started recruiting and making it hard for those kids to come back to HBCU school. HBCU school. So do you think it's because of validation? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's more about the glitter. I'm, I'm okay. going to be completely honest with you because, you know, if I look at, if I look at honestly, if I had a child right now who was uh, college age, either in or going, right, in reality, you don't need to be at a, a Power 5 school anymore to get to the NFL if that's exactly. your goal. Right, um, you don't need to be in 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 the big time or the big show as to what we have because again, the NCAA, especially when it comes to sports like football and basketball, the rules become a little bit different than they are for baseball. Okay, be completely mm -hmm. honest with you. So when I get a lot of my my football and basketball kids that all of a sudden start singing that same old symptom of top power five school and everything else, all you know that it's really about the prestige and the glitter, in my opinion. Sure. sure. I agree. And, and if I can follow up on that, Sonia, I, I think one of the things I'm, I'm, I get a little bit tickled about, and, and, and I've kind of heard, you know, well, you know, HBCUs don't get the exposure. And granted, we are not the 230 SEC game on CBS. But I often joke with my colleagues that I've lost track of what's going on with the Power Five because I'm literally watching watching HBCU football games Absolutely. all day. Uh, right, right. You ESPNU or ESPN three, or you know, you open up your laptop or or your or, or your phone. There, mm -hmm. I, I can I can watch the game. So I, I've kind of I've listened to. The, the argument, you know, in terms of, well, I don't know if they're going to get the exposure. Hey, listen, HBCU games are now watchable, and, and, and I spend literally my Saturdays watching HBCU football games. So I, I get a little bit tickled now at, at when, when a parent kind of throws that at me now. Yeah. And, go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead. No, no, no. And, and I was going to say, you know, in – and even outside of that, when you talk about the exposure portion of it, yeah, you know, the, the, the parents, I think, become part of the, the sales tactic too, right? right. Um, mm -hmm. Because where, where I have those involved parents, really, if I get them on the hook, the, the kids will follow. The right. kids will follow. Because mm -hmm. none of them want to be able to tell mommy and daddy that, no, that ain't quite my decision. Even though we say, yes, it's your decision, baby, but no. You know, look, this this is where we gonna go, right? You know, because <laughs> but 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 and, and this is the other part, um, and 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 this becomes kind of personal for me when it comes to the HBCUs and the engagement with these young men. I think we have to get back to understanding that our young men have a self worth and that that self-worth is what they need to be understanding how to build their brain, okay? And, and you know, uh, that was kind of a, a, a baseline thing that as a young man growing up in Monroe, Louisiana, 
that was one of the things that we always knew that, if, hey, if, when you were under Eddie Robinson, you not only were going to go out there and become a good football player, but you were going to become a man as well, right? You were going to yeah. become a self-thinking, self-worth, understanding how you function in this society within without football. And we've lost that over time. Because, again, you know, as kids get older, as they start to get out into the world, and this force, and this, and it's time for them to start thinking for themselves and making their own decisions. They now have to understand that look, outside of just the X's and O's on the board, I still have to understand, you know, what it means for me to take care of myself, to take care of my brand, to become a professional in what I do, how I do it, where I do it. And now it's not something I have to learn, but I'm really just kind of going back to the things that have already been instilled in me, right? And mm-hmm. and sometimes we lose that. We lose that with our young men, man. We we get so used to just allowing them to, hey, you know, it's okay to go out there and practice hard, but you know, if if you need to, you know, take it take it a little time and and rest more and and not engage in this thing socially and understand what you're doing and and becoming a, a firm citizen and a firm young man, because again, you're going to have kids that you're going to have to lead one day. We we're really doing them a disservice. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Charles, you want to elaborate on that, or? No, I, I think you know he hit the uh, uh, the the nail on the head in terms of uh, of life skills. Uh, you you definitely want to have, and I think is is another recruiting tool that you have some sort exactly. of 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 brand awareness life skills program within your program, and I think that you know I, we can do uh, we can definitely uh, uh, enhance our brand. Uh, by making that a selling point as well. So uh, that's a, a, a very good point you made. And, and, you know, another thing that I've noticed, you know, you know, with the glitz and glamour that you both mentioned earlier, where a lot of kids and the parents, you know, they're they're excited to see and be around. One of the reasons why, you know, and, and, and Charles, you did mention, because, yeah, Prairie View, you know, we're, all the HBCUs of SWAC, rather, I'll, I'll say SWAC because I don't know too much about the MEAC and the other um, conferences as far as, you know, getting the, you know, the weight room, getting the facilities, state-of-the-art. Um, what am I trying to say? Help me here. Oh, <laughs> the, resources. Uh, the resources. Yeah, the resources. Yeah, yeah. yeah resources. But, but that's when we get into the resources. Mm-hmm. Once the difference between HBC, HBCUs and PWIs, a lot of the um, former students don't give back like they should at the HBCU schools. And that's part of the problem, I believe, because, you know, we need the money to, to make those things happen. Am, am I correct? Uh, you're very correct. I, I think, you know, um, I, I was talking to you uh, offline, but, you know, I, I purchased season tickets for myself, for my mother. <laughs> I purchased Me as tickets. well. You know, for for Texas Southern, I, I purchased uh, season tickets in, in honor of my father uh, as well. So I, I'm I believe in the brands of HBCUs, and I and I've grown up loving HBCU football. I was literally the little kid in the backyard. I wore number thirty three because I wanted to be Sylvester Zipko's name. So I, I that was my whole thing. You know, I looked at Lewis Tillman like a god. So I, I, I believe in HBCU football. I've, I've watched it all my life. I believe in HBCU athletics. So that's why I choose to 
uh, channel my resources back to HBCUs. And right. it is. It, it is heartbreaking, especially when you uh, took a look at uh, the homecoming fiasco with Grambling when they didn't come. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, and people were in line to get refunds. You know, that was a low point for me because it's a donation to the school. It's a, it's a, it's a write-off. You know, and, and I think, you know, we have to uh, kind of do a much better job in terms of of changing our mindset in terms of knowing that uh, this is you're helping out your athletic department by giving to it by purchasing season tickets, and we have some dynamic, very mm-hmm. dynamic athletic directors now who really yes. push that point home. So, and I and I do want to mention that I mean we uh, throughout the conference, not just in the SWAC and the MEAC and the CIAA and the SIAC as well, there are really some much better. Uh, I'm not going to say much, but, but there are really some very business-minded uh, athletic directors who really uh, push on the point of giving back to your school, purchasing season tickets, because it all goes towards helping that athletic department. And, you know, well, when that happened with Grambling, that was in 2013, and I actually was interning with Jackson State um, Athletic Department at that time. And when that happened, I was in total shock because I'm like, I mean, even though we're not gonna, we're not having a game, you know, that's at that point. That's when I knew how important even just buying season tickets. The season tickets are not that expensive at HBCUs, not compared, you know, to Notre Dame or Alabama, LSU. They're very, very inexpensive. And while I was interning, and I've done every year since then, I buy the season tickets even if I don't go to all the games, and I just give the tickets away because I want the athletic department to have the money. I believe in Jackson State football. I believe in the, you know, other athletic department as a whole. So it's very, very important. And I just, you know, I've even put it on Facebook once, like twice, you know, just buy season tickets. If you don't actually give money every year to the school, do something like that. Just, you know, just to give back a little bit. So Sure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very important. So, guys, what is the solution to getting more black student athletes back to HBCUs? I, you know, I know we've talked about, you know, giving money, um, leadership. Is there anything else that, I mean, to get them back? We, Even though we, you know what I mean, just the top elite student athletes, how do we get them back? Damien? Ooh, how do we get them back? Um Man, that's that's a that's a tough question because um, yeah. it's almost like you know what what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Um, right. Because again, you know, I look at it kind of systemically. Um, if you start to invest in your in your HBCUs and everything else, the money, the advertisements, the expansions, the business portions of it <laughs> will follow, right? Um, Part of what's made the the PWIs kind of what they are has been uh, a history of kind of building a brand, right? You know, and you look at some of your story programs like your USC's and your Texas's and Ohio State's and all this stuff, these guys have endowments that they'll never touch, right? But those endowments didn't come as a result of, you know, 
one or two good seasons. It's been kind of over time, and they've been able to put a brand out there that people have been wanting to see, people have been wanting to be curious about. And some of that has been riding that fine line between the church and insane asylum on some things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so when we talk about how we get our, our HBCUs fortified, I think we got to really start by getting our kids back interested in the HBCUs, right? Um, and not just necessarily, like you said in the beginning, settling on it as, you know, a, a place to stop it from, from a transfer perspective or going to play out my last few years in here or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I think we got to get to and talk to them, you know, about what this decision and what your engagement means on a bigger stage, right? Um <clears throat> I didn't understand my worth as a college football player inside of this NCAA system until I was there. Um, and mm-hmm. then it was kind of eye-opening. Um, but when we start to educate our kids, again, from that business perspective early on, I think it will sink in. Um, if we took all of the, the you know, major college black athletes right now, we took them out of PWIs and we dropped them in the HBCUs, we probably wouldn't even have enough spots on the right. field or on the court for everybody, right, unless you decide to play these guys a quarter at a time. It, it becomes that deep. And how do we harness all of that into one place? The only answer becomes is to expand your HBCU base, but also start to look at how we fortify the brand as well. Interesting. Love it. Charles? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, uh, I, I would implore uh, H, uh, our athletes in general to uh, open their eyes, and and I think, and I and Sonny, you know, I've said this now for uh, the past few years. I think we're on the dawn of a renaissance of mm-hmm. of, of yeah. looking at athletes who are seriously going to consider uh, HBCUs and not give it the sort of you know window dressing sort of treatment and the, the curiosity. I want to I want to see what their homecoming is about. I think we're on the cusp of that. I do believe that uh, athletes are are paying attention to coaches and their statements or lack of statements, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's uh, something that is is starting to become. Uh, kids are starting to become much more aware. Uh, as we all know, we're in some uh, some very turbulent sort of times, and I, I do believe that you have athletes that are paying attention to what a coach says or does not say. Um, yes. Jamie, and to follow your point, I do believe that uh, brand awareness is, is everything. Uh, if you are aware of the history, you take more ownership in it, and you want to be a part of it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I could harp on Jackson State for days. I can probably name guys for, you know, the, the breadth of my life. Because I have been, <laughs> I, I have been, you know, steeped in that tradition. But uh, again, uh, I, I have talked to so many athletes who might transfer from uh, historically white college and university to an HBCU, and they're without fail. They they just say, "I didn't know," you know, "I I did not have a coach who told me about Grambling, who told me about." Uh, Doug Williams. I did not have a co- and to, and and without fail, <laughs> you know, they find the level of competition was was a little better than they thought it was going to be. And, and I'm always tickled by that part because when I ask that question, uh, you almost get uh, this shocked look, you know, it, because they recognize 
and, you know, we, we kind of make fun of it, but um, it is rough in the sweat. You know, there are some still some good athletes that participate in this conference, some tremendous athletes that, that play in, in, the, in the MIAC as well. But I, the level of competition, I think, uh, is only going to get better as, as athletes become a little bit more aware of all these brands that are right there at their fingertips. And the assistant coaches of the HBCUs, they have to take advantage of it. They have to not – uh, yep. you know, not think that I couldn't get him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they have to, you know, make that concerted effort. Part of that concerted effort is having the budget to go out uh, beyond their, their recruiting uh, uh, map and, and extend that a little bit more. One of the things that I keep track of is where our, you know, HBC, HBCUs are going. You know, if Mississippi is not the hot place for, for kids because they're choosing a JUCO versus going to HBCU, what I found is HBCUs without fail, they go to HBCU epicenters, New Orleans, Houston, Dallas. Now you see them especially on the west coast of Florida. Atlanta mm-hmm. is another HBCU epicenter. So the athletes are there. They're starting to become aware. And I think we're on the dawn of a serious renaissance in terms of watching uh, uh, maybe a few five, maybe four stars, but you can definitely chip away at these three stars who might not have just known, and they show up at uh, in the Southland Conference, or they show up in another FCS conference or a low-level FBS. I think you can go after those players first. Yeah, and, and, and let me piggyback on, on one other thing you said, which is a fantastic point for me, too. When you talk about these athletes paying attention to what these coaches are saying or not saying, I think it's critical, it is absolutely critical that these coaches and assistant coaches start to, and and don't don't get me wrong, I love a lot of them, but we have to show what type of men we really are and what type of examples we really are to understand that these kids are not looking for homeboys. They need leaders in their lives. They need someone who is not going to be willing to go out and just kick it and have a good time, but somebody that's going to have to show me how to navigate through life, and that is setting that example, right, because they pay attention to that. And I can guarantee I would follow an assistant coach who I felt was a man that stood up and that did all the right things that I would want to see that attracted me, I would follow him to the end of the earth, to Mm -hmm. the end of the earth. And I think a lot of these these athletes look at that and say the same. If you give them phony, they're going to give you phony right back. You give them real, they're going to be real and loyal to you. Excellent point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been a great, great, great show. I've enjoyed this immensely because this has been – I even wrote a paper on this. Um, when I was working on my master's, this has been a, this topic, you know, it's, it's been around for a while, and I'm like Charles. I think we're on the of a renaissance um, regarding our children coming back to HBCU schools. So, I mean, we shall see. We'll just wait and see how it happens, and, you know, hopefully um, it's 250,000 listeners for this show, so hopefully <laughs> these coaches are listening and they'll – Take heed on what you guys have given today. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me for t- today. Charles, um, give the listeners, several listeners, how they can reach you listening to um, the 1400 Club and also your event on Saturday. 
No doubt about it. Yeah, you can hear me uh, uh, first and foremost on Tuesdays, every Tuesday from 6 to 7 uh, on Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, uh, which you can catch us on Facebook Live. We're on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, we are also on KCOH 1230 here in Houston, Texas. I also do some work with uh, the 1400 Club, uh, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club, which is a podcast that uh, focuses on Jackson State Athletics and uh, people in the administration around uh, uh, Jackson State University. So uh, look for those podcasts on all your uh, uh, platforms, Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, uh, all the uh, podcast platforms, if you will. So those are the uh, ways that you can see me. I'll also be participating in, in a panel discussion, which will be on Facebook Live uh, on Saturday at 12, uh, with some other esteemed cohorts, of course, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, who I affectionately refer to. He is the, the dean of HBCU sports, uh, very, very knowledgeable, and I'll always say an AD in waiting. Uh, but uh, he, he will be part of that panel uh, discussion on Saturday on Facebook Live, uh, which is, I believe, the uh, Houston uh, National Association of Black Journalists. Uh, That'll be a panel discussion on Saturday as well. So thank you for allowing me this podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, this platform, son. Oh, no problem. I, I'm I'm glad you were able to join us. I know you've been busy um, working on your doctorate and work and all this other stuff. So thanks for um, joining me as well as you, Jamie. And you got family in town. And my babies, J.K. and Jonah, you know, they're a handful <laughs> by themselves. So um, I know you got a lot going on in the house, so I'm not going to hold you guys any longer. But thank you. Oh, well, before I go, please follow me. Um, Facebook, She Says She Says Sports. Instagram, She Says She Says Sports 23. So, well, that's our show for today. Again, thanks, guys, for joining me. Until next time, this is Sonia with She Says She Says Sports, and I'll see you on the radio. Thanks for having me, Sonia. Thank you so much, guys. That was so much fun. That was, that really was good really, stuff. <laughs> enjoyed that. Really, really, I enjoy both both um, spectrums, both you know your your um, opinion and yours as well. And it was it was really good. Really, really absolutely. Good. And Charles, I'm gonna get all your info too, man. I want to check. I want to check out your shows as well. Oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. No doubt. Yeah. Make sure I get that information to you. Cool. <clears throat> You, I, right. do, you want me to, um, do you want you want me to just send you his number, or how do y'all want me to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Because Jamie is never on Facebook, so you can forget that. Look, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the world's worst at Facebook, man. I'll <laughs> troll a few times every few months and be satisfied. Look, I, I told Sonya it's like. Man, my my boys, they keep me so busy and, and running and, and answering geography and math questions all day long. <laughs> oh, the fun stuff, stuff. exactly. I don't even, I don't even so want to pick smart. up the phone. Wait a minute. Before, look, they're so smart, Charles. Guess, okay, his oldest son, J.K., which is a replica of Jamian, he does not want to play football. I mean, he's big just like Jamian. He wants to play soccer. So, okay. <laughs> so I almost brought that up because Jamie, you know, like you said earlier, it's the parent. You know, the parents usually make the decision, but he's allowing him to decide what he wants to do. Sure. Right sure. now. So, but tell him real quick, what's his um, what's you know his his pipe song? He get ready for the soccer game, baby. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. My my son's hype song is um you, you, you played the Nintendo Wii right yeah so if you go to YouTube Music there is a Nintendo Wii trap music 
So I'm getting, <laughs> I'm in the car getting ready for this this music. Come on! And all of a sudden he puts it on, and it starts playing this Nintendo Wii theme song, like do do do. But it's in trap style. I almost oh ran into a ditch. Laughing. So I'm thinking. So we're all at dinner one night. I'm with his wife and the kids, and they was like, T was like, let's not hear his his hype song. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to hear turn down for what something. You know, I'm about to get hyped. They put them earphones in my ear, and he was looking at me like, hey, yeah, oh, you gonna like that? <laughs> <laughs> who, who who knew that we had a little John version? I was like, so N- nerd as can be, and I oh, love so every minute of That's it. I right. love it. They, I oh, they love so, it. I love them. They so smart. It is it's crazy. It's bananas. But yeah, and that so, is so cool. You, so you have to remind me to show you Jonah's. Um, so so Jonah is my scary smart one. He's my <laughs> six year old. He's a protege. He's, he's a protege. Yeah, he he's learned like this cat already is like multiplying by thirteens and. He's learned every country and capital in the world and has learned this song to sing about him. So he knows everything. He can go continent to continent. We've got him these puzzles of the different continents. He he can pretty much put them together in about 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, tell him how old he is. Wow. Oh, he, he just turned six two weeks ago. Oh, that's, that's just turned awesome. Six. That's awesome. It has taught himself how to play the piano, everything. Wow. And it, it is spooky. Yeah, <laughs> He's it a pro. He's something. It's 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 really like I, I got to say this because my mom is calling me, but I got to go. But real quick, I was over there one day and little cousins were over. He would be playing with them, but he would stop, go sit down, and read a book or something during it while they're playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then oh, they wow. get back up and then just goes. I mean, it's weird. I've never seen nothing like it in my life. But look, <laughs> my mom. Um, sure. Thanks, guys. Char- uh, Jamie and I'll see you tomorrow. And All Charles, right. I'll hit you up tomorrow because I know you got to finish um, homework. Yep, yep. And then I'm off to do this uh, Florida a deal stuff tonight. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant to tell you, Damien. Sam, you. Uh, yeah. It's now. We'll about talk about time. It's about time. <laughs> I mean, hell, they're right in the middle. They're right in the middle of Swag Country. You know, they, yeah, they kind pretty of, much. Yeah, they, they should already have been there, but. Right. They, laid, they laid out the numbers for it today at their at their board meeting at their trustee meeting, and you know it was like you know it, it was kind of a no brainer. We're going to go from a deficit of three million to a potential surplus of three million. So it was, you know. So now yeah. I gotta go somewhere and talk about it now. So. <laughs> well, send me that podcast so I can send it to Jamie. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. Okay, All right. guys. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.